De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast. And I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the revenue generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to talk about what business leaders need to know about the post-cookie future and how it will affect marketing and advertising and the difference between MMM and MTA attribution models. Joining us today is Brian Coe. Brian is the Chief Commercial Officer at Audience X, which is the leading integrated platform solution for performance brands and agencies offering strategic, unbiased, omnichannel access across the full breadth of the ad tech ecosystem. So far this week, Brian and I've talked about post-cookie SMB revenue generation and what Apple's privacy policy tells us about the cookie-less future. And today... We're going to wrap up our conversation by discussing marketing attribution, multi-touch attribution to marketing mix modeling. That's hard to say fast, folks. Okay, here's my conversation with Brian Coe, the Chief Commercial Officer at Audience X. Brian, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again, Doug. I thought you were not going to invite me back because of the Dallas uh, affinity, but thanks for having me again, nonetheless. You know, we Eagles fans are generous characters, and if you believe that, Brian, you've never been to Philadelphia. Okay, so... Let's give people an insight into what we're going to talk about today, Brian. So what the heck is multi-touch attribution and how is that different from marketing mix modeling? Yeah, I tried to say that three times really fast. Three times fast. It's not easy. Right. So multi-touch attribution tells you how to allocate specific channels at the most granular level, right? Think keywords or perhaps, you know, we talked about obviously cookies a lot in the last, you know, two episodes, but what these things signify or tells us. It's updates on these you know, near real-time basis that marketers have that they can allocate and optimize how much they're spending on a specific you know, channel or what their KPIs look like. So it is a specific channel, tactical level information that tells you if something is working, not working, how to optimize, how to pull back, et cetera. That's a multi-touch attribution. It's an attribution at each and specific stages of your campaign tactics. Now, marketing mix modeling tells you overall what percentage of your budget should be allocated into larger buckets of channels. So think TV, think you know, digital programmatic, think email, think social, think, you know, search, et cetera. So, you know, these are kind of traditional way of marketers and agencies have done business for a you know, very long time. But when this thing called digital kind of came into play a few decades ago and where the digital folks like myself really needed to prove that digital works and here's why we need to spend more money on digital, 
we started making this attribution a real thing because it was important, right? Because we want to make sure that however little, however lot money that marketers spending, we want to make sure that we prove relevance and the stickiness of these channels. Now, you know, one can argue over the years that this has gone way overboard in terms of what we're tracking, how we're tracking, how to optimize again, and it drove a lot of us crazy. But again, that's hopefully in a very long way <laughs> what marketing mix is uh, from a, a marketing attribution or media attribution specifically. So multi-touch attribution is ultimately a way of looking at the omni-channel perspective. How are all the different channels I'm activating after the fact influencing activity? Whereas marketing mix modeling is much more about how you're architecting your approach and what are the different aspects that you're going to bring to bear. You mentioned TV advertising as an example, or social media advertising or email campaigns potentially, but how are you planning on engaging with the brand? Makes a ton of sense to me. And I have to say, I was hopeful that I had a new way of approaching attribution modeling. And it feels like really at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is how are you planning? And then how are you measuring after the plan? And you actually took the words, you know, right out of my mouth. So multi-touch attribution, think about it as optimization plus planning. And marketing mix is just purely planning, macro level, allocation. Okay. So we have been talking about scaring marketers to death. If they've not already terrified, we're scaring them even more. Brian, I think we just lost 30 listeners with that statement alone, right? So we're talking about... <laughs> loss of third-party data, and we're actually talking about how we adjust as marketers, how we adjust as advertisers. So we're back to that topic right now. And let's talk about how the loss of third-party data and the loss of really sharing information across application platforms, how does that impact MTA and how does that potentially impact how people plan for spending in the future when it comes to marketing mix modeling? Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, maybe before we talk about that, I, I can make this statement, I know a lot of marketers are just sick and tired of attribution obsession, right? As I mentioned, it, it has driven a lot of marketers mad. I mean, I think as I know it, there are seven different types of attribution, right? There's first touch attribution, there's last touch attribution, linear, position-based attribution, time decay attribution. Regression. Et cetera, et cetera, right? So I mean, there's a literally a term out there is somebody says MTA or attribution is complete, you know, BS, right? I wish I can remember what article this was from, but uh, this article actually literally talked about how these attribution companies, there's an analyst sitting in there, you know, going through making specific sort of attribution more favorable versus another. It's how they, the company, make money and how individuals at the companies make money. So whether you fully believe that or, you know, believe you know, a little bit of that, you know, there's a relevance in that attribution may or may not be everyone. So I think the point that you made about with the loss of these cookies and data, what is allowing marketers to do is, it's forcing them to move away from MTA and into an MMM bucket. So I think overall, this is, again, healthier you know, direction for marketers and industry altogether. Makes a ton of sense. And I also have to say, I agree. I think that there's a certain obsession that happens with the different models. You and I just knocked off, what, six or seven potential models. 
But there's a reason for that, Brian, right? And that reason is that I would say that marketers alone are forced quite often to sing for their supper, as they say, right? And so a lot of these models were put out there because at the end of the day, we needed to be able to say, here is the ROI of our investments. And those investments can be substantial, right? So the measurement's really important. And the funny thing is, I feel like we finally got to the point where we're conversant and we understand our models. And then into this mix comes change. And of course, this is what we deal with as marketers, right? We're ultimately the the facilitators of or the managers of change. That's our job. So when it comes to losing some of this data, it feels like what's happening for us is we need to be thinking really about that total marketing mix, but heading into the planning in terms of thinking about omni-channel, but not always being able to manage the or measure the omni-channel at the back end. So what advice do we have for marketers in terms of actually deploying the marketing mix modeling? Yeah, I will say that it is not for the faint of hearts. It is a very costly and complex process. So, you know, what MTA had for marketers is that it was relatively easy to deploy. And again, you know, overuse word for today is optimization to make changes where you weren't seeing enough and where you were seeing a lot of you know, conversions to replicate and duplicate, right? So unfortunately, now with the movement toward MMM allows this much more complex way of looking at the approach. One, it requires a large number of historical kind of data to say, here are categories or, or for the lack of a better word, bucket of channels that we deployed. And this is how we think, you know, this mix is most optimal for our industry, our product, our brand, et cetera. Now, in order to make sure that those are working, because we're losing very intimate and specific data, we have to use the data in a binary fashion, right? Whether directionally it's working and not working. And when something or some channel specifically isn't working, you'll then have to make a conscious effort to decide this is how much money I'm going to pull out of there and invest more into this. If you are a CMO of a marketer, for instance, right? And that's not an easy job to do. I mean, especially with CMO's tenure being perhaps one of the shortest in the C-suite. I mean, it's a burden, you know, to be honest, to really utilize that. So in short, MTA was deterministic, right? We were able to determine how users were going to convert and what their you know, behavior, et cetera, was. And it was easy for marketers to make changes. In MMM, it's going to be predictive. So we're predicting that this channel is how, is how they will best serve our brand, our product, our audience. But it's a very larger take on and it's going to take time and it won't, you know, think about a Titanic versus a race car turning the corner, right? It's going to take a much more concerted effort to make MMM work and show the, the proof and growth. How much are you seeing that transition between MTA and MMM? Are you beginning to see the marketing leadership? And you're right, the average tenure, I think this gets misquoted all the time, Brian, but I think the average tenure for a CMO, folks, I'm a CMO, is about 18 months, right? So it's, you've got to really make an impact fast. You've got to show results quickly ton of pressure to get stuff done. So how often are you seeing people actually make this transition from MTA to MMM? Yeah, sure. I mean, so if you are a fortune company, I mean, this is not an issue, right? You have all the budget at your disposal and you're sitting on a large pile of data to make this work effectively, right? 
But if you are a mid-sized marketer and or even a you know small you know company, this will be a you know difficult endeavor. And you know there are platforms and companies where this has been a focus for mid marketers to really help them guide through this process and transition. And to plug in audience X, you know our focus has been about a mid market, and this is where you know we think. We can really alleviate the pressures and difficulties that marketers have faced with all the changes that are happening in the recent months and, and years. So what are the some of the core elements of technology that helps marketers manage through things like MTA and MMM? What are some of the cornerstone technologies they should know about? Well, I think it's choosing the right MMM platform. I think that's an important one. Again, because we are in early stages as an industry of shifting from MTA to MMM ultimately, the way individual platform or companies, the model is a little bit different you know, from company to company as expected. So there's not a industry standard way of looking at something, right? Eventually and hopefully perhaps, you know, we'll get to that, but you know, their individual sort of processes and stages look a little different. So if you're a marketer, it's important to be aware of that and make sure that you agree with their methodology and you know, model that works for you. And the other is the cost barriers of entry. So these are long endeavors and expensive endeavors, perhaps. So you have to think through how much effort do I want to invest in this today versus in the months or years ahead? Because and also, what are you ultimately trying to do? Is this to really move the sales needle? Perhaps you've seen, you know, with kind of some of these privacy and, you know, data loss in place, or are you really trying to get ahead of the game by proactively putting this into place? I think these are important questions to ask and perhaps talk to you know, your agencies or platforms that you trust to help guide you. Yeah, it's interesting here because at the end of the day, what we're facing as marketers is we're really losing important data, which makes the data that we have all that much more important. We talked about first-party data and the critical role that will play for us in the future yesterday, Brian. And so I think what I'm hearing from you right now is think about how important that data, but also think about how you utilize that data to measure success. And it sounds like what we're talking about is the importance of those attribution models actually increases we don't want to throw up our hands because we're lacking some of the data we had before. We want to really lean into our ability to understand attribution. And ultimately, that comes down to really embracing the technology necessary to carry that water, so to speak. Yep, you said that well. And I think ultimately, you know, as we talked about in both episodes leading into this, we talked about at the end of the day, this is about positive consumer experience. This is about the control back to the consumers. And the more positive that is, the more consumers will be choosing to interact. I think the way I look at sort of MTA to MMM is no different from a marketing uh, perspective. What are these large buckets of ideal mix that suits best for a consumer's positive conversion journey, right? At the end of the day, it's all about that. We want to make sure that their journey to either an interaction or consumption of your product and brand is positive. I think it's really at the end of the day, it's going to force us to be better marketers. So what a great message to end on, Brian. I think we started on day one, scaring people quite a bit. But I think ultimately what this does is it puts pressure back on us as marketers to a better job, to think about omni-channel marketing, to think about brand 
and to think about the data that we already have and how precious that data is. All right, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Brian Coe, Chief Commercial Officer at Audience X, for joining us today. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Brian, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at audiencex.com. Just one more link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to the revgenpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on the show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you have not subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed on the next business day. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.